we're glad you've chosen to listen to our weekly talkback. The weekly talkback is designed to take a portion of the teaching from this week to a deeper level. You may want to listen to this week's teaching, but it isn't necessary to understand the weekly talkback. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy the weekly talkback from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Today's talk back is going to be a direct kind of reference to our sermon time. Normally, I try to have the talk back stand on its own, and this really kind of will be able to as well. But there's a couple of things to refer to in terms of what we talked about during our morning teaching. One of the things that I suggested that we consider about the creation story is that we're not just finding the entrance of sin into our world, but we're finding the entrance of dualism. So let me just take a moment to read the passage of Scripture in Genesis 3 where we see mankind fall. It starts with uh, verse 1 in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not die, said the serpent to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now we're going to stop there. That's all the way through verse 7. And one of the things we talked about in our sermon time today was that this story, how we normally understand it and interpret it, is that this is when sin enters the world. This is when mankind first disobeys God's call on them. God essentially gave them a single rule, a single prohibition. Don't eat from this one tree. But mankind chose to. And when we look at the name of the tree, we see that the name of the tree here is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How do we define dualism? Dualism is essentially being stuck in the thought process that there is only one or two options, right? It's one or the other. It's dual. It's two. There's two options. There's no other way. And so you're stuck thinking things like it's black or white, right or wrong, this or that. You're with me. You're against me. And, And we get stuck in this sort of dualistic thinking. So while we normally interpret this story as telling us that sin enters the world, what if we also say it's bigger than that? This is also when dualism enters the world. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as soon as mankind eats from it, together they realize that they're either naked or clothed. They're proud or they're ashamed. They're hidden or they're found. We enter into kind of a dualistic relationship with creation and creator. In the follow-up to that sermon, someone from the congregation asked me, well, is it that God was trying to hide something from us? If God doesn't want mankind to eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is there some sort of good 
that God is trying to keep mankind from. Is that the case? And so I want to just share a little bit about that with you because I don't want us to get caught up in thinking that um, just because we're talking about dualistic thinking, that perhaps God is trying to hide something from us. First, I think we have to remember that the way that this part of Scripture is written is that it is written in the form of poetry. And so as we look at details in poetry, we have to be careful as to how much weight we give them. Just think about any poem that you know. A poem is not written as a history book is written. And so what happened in a garden at the creation of time with the creation of mankind falls many, many generations before a man named Moses has the opportunity to write it down. It's passed down through oral tradition, through storytelling from father to son and mother to daughter for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so some of the details are a little different than if, say, this was a history lesson. So consider that as we, dis as we try to think through certain details. Now, secondly, I want us to also realize that God is not trying to hide good from mankind. If you go, go back a couple of chapters in Genesis to Genesis 1 and 2, we see the creation account that as God creates, he calls his creation good. Again and again and again, he calls his creation good. And then he creates this special place, this Garden of Eden, for mankind to live in. And when he sees that man is alone, he says it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates woman, a helper, suitable for man. And so there's goodness there again. And they live in this garden that's specially made, specifically made for exactly who they are. So God's not hiding good. In fact, he has given them the most good that he possibly can. They're surrounded in good. They're swimming in good. They're immersed in good. What I think is really happening here in the story of the creation of the world is that mankind loses its innocence. And so if you're a parent or a grandparent or you're becoming a parent or one day you hope to be a parent or you have a parent, I hope that captures everybody, I want you to think about how parents try to keep their kid from knowing too much too soon. We try to have our children hold on to their childlike innocence for as long as possible. Not so long that it's unhealthy, but we want our children to remain a child. And so think about a child who has been through something catastrophic, a terrible accident where they've lost main family members. Or think of a child that's grown up in a war-torn country. Or think of a child that has absentee parents. These children often grow up faster than we'd like them to grow up. And they don't have the opportunity. They don't have the chance to be a child, to enjoy childhood, to enjoy the, the playful, innocent nature of their very existence. Because what's been thrust upon them is deep pain and knowledge much too soon. And soon they have to be the parents for themselves. When God is in the garden and he tells mankind, don't eat from this tree, it's not because he doesn't want them to have knowledge. It's not because he doesn't want them to, um, to enjoy what he's given them. It's because God is a parent protecting his children and trying to help his children enjoy life, enjoy their 
innocence for as long as is possible. And now you might also think, well, Nick, I am not so sure you can make the jump to speaking on behalf of God as a parent like that. And I'm going to tell you, actually, I think there's a really good case for how we can um, make the analogy that we can have at least some thinking a bit like God in terms of parenthood. Because Jesus, when he's on earth, he is teaching to a crowd of people and he says, how many of you knows what it's like to be a good parent? If a father asks his son, or if a son asks his father for some bread, would he give him a rock? If he asks him for a snack or a toy or something else that's good, would he give him a scorpion? No, no, he would never do that. So how much better are the gifts that our heavenly father gives you than your earthly father? I mean, right there, Jesus invites us into thinking about God as father and then says, as good as of, of a father, as good as a parent, as you think you are, our father in heaven is that much better a parent. So again, you think about your own children or your grandchildren, or you think about your parents when you were a child. Think about how much they protected you and cared for you. Your father in heaven protects and cares for you that much more. He loves you that much more. He would do anything to protect your innocence for as long as possible. And so in the Garden of Eden, in the story about the creation of the world and the creation of mankind, we find this story of a loss of innocence. We find a story of a parent who is mourning this loss of innocence who now, as his children begin to understand what disobedience is, must also understand what consequence is. And only the parent understands the consequence of the child's actions, the long-term consequence of the child's actions. And the greatest analogy that I can possibly think of for something like this would be for a parent to watch their child while being a teenager become a father or a mother because the teenager doesn't fully comprehend how much life is going to change, doesn't fully comprehend some of the natural consequences of their action, doesn't understand how their social life is going to change, doesn't understand how their financial life is going to change, doesn't understand how their educational life is going to change. But a parent who sits back and is watching is mourning the loss of innocence that's going to come every step of the way because the parent understands the far-reaching consequences of this action in a way that the child can simply not understand. But the child will begin to understand as they go through it. This is what I see happening in the story of Genesis. God mourning the loss of innocence that comes with disobedience, that comes with making a certain decision and watching his children leave the garden and have to deal with the consequences of those actions. God isn't hiding good from us. God is mourning something because with the advent of this decision, brokenness enters the world and only the creator of the world and the universe, only God can possibly understand how brokenness entering the world will impact his children and will impact his child. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. 
Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together.